welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hope you're all doing well today. I really hope that you are enjoying the hot weather, or I call it the bipolar weather, because one day it's a heat wave and the next day it's windy and cold and I don't understand I don't understand. I just don't get it. It's kind of like church attendance. One week, it's like totally different than the next week. It's like it's like our weather, right? Our weather in Ottawa is like church attendance, don't you think? I don't know if it's an Ottawa thing, but man, I love the heat. I say this all the time. How many love the heat? Well, you'll like hell a lot. If you like, I'm, just joking. I'm totally joking. No, I love the heat. I love the heat. I love the heat. How many like the cold? A few of you. Okay. How many like lukewarm weather? Well, the Bible says God will spit you out of your mouth, out of his mouth. Sorry, sorry. That was a setup. That was totally a setup. Totally a setup. And you all fell for it. But I like it all. I, I love being in the sun. The sun energizes me. I feel like if I was a superhero, I would be Superman. I get energized by the sun. And so I love, I love being in the sun. I'm so thankful when it's hot outside. I want to continue something from last week. Uh, before I do that, though, I just I, I want to share this. I, I don't know why I want to share this, other than the fact that I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to share this. this. The last two weeks have been a little bit more spontaneous in the sense of where we're going. This is not a structured uh, teaching. This is not um, something that I would maybe normally do in frequency. Um, but there's call for it, and there's times when it happens, and I have to like lean in towards it. Here at Kingdom Culture, we believe in your the value of you experiencing god we don't follow uh the vatican does not give us a a a blueprint on what to speak in every season right it's uh the holy spirit we really trust the leading of the holy spirit here and the value of his voice in our lives guiding us and so you have to just give me one second thank you lord okay um and so i'm just going to go with this for i want to go to john 3 i want to read john 3 and I feel like this is just for somebody in the room today. And I'm just going to read a few verses, actually seven verses. And this is the story of Nicodemus. He is a Pharisee. And he is embarrassed and afraid to meet Jesus in the daytime. So he decides to meet Jesus in the night. Doesn't want his, his colleagues knowing because Jesus was a very controversial figure in this time. And so the Pharisee, Nicodemus, who was a very, he was an old man, he was a studied man, uh, a very well-known, very re- well-respected man, really is being pulled on this Jesus guy, like, he's flipping the whole system on its lid, and I'm curious, I'm curious, is this truly the Messiah that we've all been prophesying and waiting on for millennia, is this truly him? And so he's meeting Jesus in the middle of the night so nobody can see. And he's having this conversation. And this is the only time 
in Scripture, the phrase uh, is used, born again. You've heard that phrase? You know, when people will say, are you born again? It's really like a, a Christian phrase to describe someone's transformation experience. You know, people will say in different spheres of, of church culture, well, oh, he's a born again, you know. Well, this is where we get that from. Right here in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. What he was saying is that the true evidence of a teacher from God will always result in some sort of miraculous evidence. Other words, it's not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, the kingdom not a matter of talk, but of power. So that your faith may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. We have a lot of wisdom preachers, a lot of wisdom speakers, a lot of wisdom teachers. Fine, that's great. But if there's no power, there's no kingdom. The kingdom is a kingdom of power. And when the kingdom is, is, presides over an atmosphere, powerful things happen. You serve a God of power. You don't serve a dead God. You don't serve this, you know, the, 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 the God on the candle that you see in all the, on the candles, that, that weird-looking Jesus with the, the weird-looking heart. You serve a God of real, tangible power. The question is, have you experienced that yet? And we talked about this last week, and we're continuing on this track this week. Without the power of God in your life, you do not have the relationship that God wants you to have. It's like trying to drive a vehicle without any gas in your car. Or even more so, trying to drive a vehicle without an engine. You need that engine to power up your vehicle. You might have the vehicle. I got the vehicle. Look, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. I got the vehicle, but I can't really go anywhere with it because I have no engine. So Nicodemus is, is recognizing the miraculous signs that are evidence of God being with Jesus. Verse 3 says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And let me just say this like this, Nicodemus, you know what he was doing? He was asking a question about immigration. That's what he was doing. How do I immigrate to this society, this citizenship? I've heard the talk about citizenship. Like, and, and Jesus talked about this, and his disciples and his apostles referenced this over and over again. Paul especially, you are a citizen of heaven, right? When you are a citizen of a country, you have specific privileges within that country. But if you are not a citizen, you don't have the same privileges. Now, I want to congratulate someone in the room right now who just walked in. Eduardo and Juliana, basically the day after they had their third child, became citizens of Canada. You came in at the perfect time, man. I was literally talking about citizenship. And here you walk in, a new citizen, literally. That was prophetic right there. <laughs> he walks in right as I'm talking about citizenship. There, that was the confirmation I needed that I needed to read the scripture. Thank you very much. We're all in sync together. Um, 
But it's a question of immigration. Like, how do I immigrate? How do I become privileged like you as a citizen in this new God country? Because he's heard about it. He's heard about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. Jesus came and preached the message of the kingdom. It wasn't a democratic society. Heaven's not democratic. No one's voting in and voting out God. They tried that, yeah. Look how it ended. It's a question of immigration. How do I enter this kingdom? He says you must be born again. Not that you got to go back into your mama's womb. That's not what he's saying. But you must be born into the country to have citizenship within that country. Right? That's why so many people, they'll like go to a country and they'll have the, the baby in that country just so they can have the citizenship. Right? When you're born into the country, you have citizenship rights within that country. And I don't think we fully understand the value of this. And he says, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You cannot experience the message of the kingdom that Jesus came and preached unless you are born in that country. How do you become born again? Well, Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead on the third day, you will be saved. Peter came with a message all throughout the book of Acts, especially on the book, on the, on the day of Pentecost, which we read about last Sunday in Acts chapter 2. And he said, basically, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you want this born-again rebirth encounter, you have to repent of your way, change your perspective. To repent means to go back up to the penthouse of God. That's what it means. To see from his perspective your life. You've only seen from this perspective. You've got to get up to God's perspective. Go back a little bit. And go to his perspective, repent, be baptized. Baptism was, was, was represented as a, the reflection that your faith was legit. That's why we do water baptisms. Which is why I say, like, if you've not been baptized and you say you're a believer, you got to get baptized. Just, you got to do it. Come talk to us. If we don't have one scheduled, we'll find a way to, just to do it. we got to do it. you got to get baptized. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Because baptism wasn't just a symbol. It was a step of faith saying that I actually do have faith in Christ. And it wasn't a suggestion, by the way. It was a command. Right? It's like we make an advertisement on Sunday. Hey, like, we invite you if you want to get baptized. No. But if Jesus were here, he'd be like, bro, just do it. You don't need Nike to tell you, just do it. It's a command, repent and be baptized. He didn't say, when you're ready, your parents are here, they flew in from the Netherlands, you know, when you're all ready, when everybody's watching and you have your certificate and you get your shirt. No, he said, just do it. We just need to like rock bottom you into the tank and just do it. <laughs> no, I'm just serious, but we, we have this culture where it's, we're so slow at responding. But when you're born into the kingdom, and you get to know the king of that kingdom, you realize very quickly that sometimes the greatest problem that we have in advancing the kingdom is not responding quick enough. And God is inviting us into this, this idea this morning that like, maybe some of you haven't immigrated yet. 
Maybe some of you in this room, you have not immigrated. You've not said yes and then let Jesus become your Lord. Let Jesus become your king. Like the Pharisee here, the religious guy that knew all the stuff about the law, that studied the law for a living, that was a very highly well-respected religious figure, an iconic figure in that time, yet did not know God, and he was standing right in front of him. God came in the flesh in the name of Jesus, in the form of Jesus, the very God that he worshipped, the very God that he studied, and yet here he is, God in the flesh, and he almost missed it. But yet something was pulling on him saying, hey, I, I feel like there's something for me. Tell me how I see the kingdom. How do I immigrate to this kingdom? How do I, how do I, how do I find this country? He says, you must be born of that country. You must be born of that country. It's, let me just continue on here. It says, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, assure you, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, we know this, scripturally speaking, we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your soul is what makes you you. It's your personality. It's who you are. It's your mind, your will, and emotions. It's what drives your life. It's the, it's the driver of your life. The spiritual version of you, when you were first born, was born shrouded in darkness, like in a spiritual prison with a shroud of darkness on it. The spiritual version of you was always destined, according to Ephesians chapter 2, to be destined to be adopted into the family of God. Your spirit was predestined. That's the only thing you've been predestined for. But even in the predestination plan, you have a choice to say yes or no. It was the plan for you to say yes and be adopted into the family of God. When you were first born, your spirit was shrouded in darkness. And it needed a savior to get it out of darkness. That's why the Bible talks about when you're, you're, you're born again, you're born of spirit. And the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that it's the way we communicate is spirit to spirit. It's not spirit to soul. It says your spirit, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 16, your spirit bears witness with God's spirit that you are children of God. What identifies you as children of God is a witness between your human spirit and God's spirit because you've been born again. So when you are born again and you let Jesus into your life, that shroud of darkness is lifted off your spirit. You are set free. And guess what happens now? Ephesians 2 says your spirit now has been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. I'm just quoting scripture right now. You've been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. Not your soul, your spirit. Your soul has been saved. Your spirit has been born again. Because it was first born in darkness, Jesus came, he took that shroud of darkness off of you, now you're born again of spirit. You tracking with me? Unfortunately, it takes a long time often for our soul to catch up with the reality of who we are identified as in spirit. Your sonship is in heaven. You live in two places at once right now, do you know that? While you're on the earth, you're also in heaven right now. 
You're like, wow, that's amazing. That, that's what gives you access to God. You have an all-access pass. The reason you can pray and God hears your prayer is because you live where you're praying in heaven. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. How can you boldly approach a place you don't live? You live there. Your spirit lives there. But you're also on the earth. And your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions that's constantly being renewed into who you are in spirit. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we renew our mind to think like the real version of ourselves who lives with God and is in perfection. The spiritual version of you is in perfection right now. You know that. There's no sin in heaven. You are one with God. When you give your life to Jesus, you become wrapped and shrouded with light. You are no longer a kingdom or a part of the kingdom of darkness, but part of the kingdom of light. You are shrouded in light, wrapped in oneness with God, united in the spirit, which is why Ephesians 1 and 2 talks about over and over again the fact that because we are united in Christ, we have an inheritance. And we co-labor, and we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ because we are cooperating and joined at the hip with Christ. Seated with him in heavenly places. Did you hear what I just said? You've been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. Joint heirs. This is the beautiful thing about the good news. And it all begins at the born-again experience. But it was always part of the plan. It was always part of the plan. And I just want to invite you into this thinking in this season that God has a kingdom for you to explore. A kingdom of heaven for you to explore while you're on the earth. And so many of us miss out on experiencing the reality of who God is because we think more worldly than we do kingdom. And Paul said this, like in Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think, the message that Jesus came to preach was a message of the kingdom. He didn't preach about the cross. He hadn't died on the cross yet. He had private conversations preparing his disciples that he was going to die on the cross. His message was a message of the kingdom. The cross and the resurrection was the means to get us to a place where we could all experience the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Are you here in the room this morning? I really felt to start there, and I, I just, I don't know, I just felt like I saw this, like, this giant pillar in the spirit just coming into the room. Like, God wants to establish some foundation again in some of us. Like, we just forget. We need these pillars of foundation to hold up the building again. Like, we just forget. We get all caught up in other weird stuff, and I think we just forget some of the basics of our faith, that we must be born again if we're going to experience the kingdom. It's not just about coming to church. It's about Knowing him, making him our priority, making him number one in our life, making his kingdom. Matthew 6, you've all read it, the prayer. Our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does he say next? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't say, if it be your will, let your kingdom come. 
right? He doesn't say pray that if it be your will. Pray not God. No, he commands it. He releases it. You pray, God, let your kingdom come as it is in heaven. So whatever's happening in heaven right now should be happening on the earth. That's what he's praying. You're like, well, you wonder, like, well, you know, uh, uh, are angels real? Absolutely. There are tons of angels in heaven. So, hey, bring the angels, God. Hey, there's thunder and lightning happening around his throne. God, bring it all. I want to experience it. There's a sea of glass like crystal. There's all kinds of funny-looking creatures. God, bring it all. I'll, I'll experience it. Like, whatever is going on in heaven, I want it to be in my world. Because that was his plan. Because he knows that when heaven invades your world, things change. Because there's no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no anxiety in heaven. There's no disappointment in heaven. There's no discouragement in heaven. So the best prayer you can pray is, God, let heaven invade this moment. And I'm simply acting as the administrator. I'm sim simply acting as the steward of this moment by saying, heaven is already within me. Luke chapter 18, heaven's already within me. The kingdom of God is within me. If I am born again, guess what? I embody the kingdom. I become a gateway to the kingdom. So God, I'm going to release heaven on earth into my situation. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, he never said once, other than in a church context, call the elders to pray for the sick. He said to the disciples, he said, go lay hands on the sick, heal the sick. He didn't say go pray that they'd be healed. He said, I've given you power, I've given you authority, go be a steward and do it. This changes the equation in the mind, doesn't it? You've been given delegated authority. Go legislate the kingdom on the earth. Release my legislation, like release it. Go do it, go do it, go do it, go do it, go do it. Stop asking me to do what I've already told you to do. It's a big one. Right? Because some of us, we're begging God to do something he's already told us he wants to do and is asking you to facilitate. So one of the ways that we go do it is just by being faithful with what God's given us. By stewarding the life God's given us, the opportunities that God's given us. Don't pray and ask God for just an opportunity to minister to your coworkers. Just go minister to them. Because there's always an opportunity. You see what I'm saying? There's always an opportunity. Last, last week I asked this question, where's the power? Where's the power? Because I think we need to think about this in our life, like, and it's to, to provoke us. I feel like a little bit of like a cattle prodder, like provoking. Like, where's the power in your life? Where's the power? I want to experience more power in my life. Where's the power? It's not because I'm hungry for, for power, man of the hour. No, it's I want to experience God. You can't experience God without experiencing his power. You cannot put your hand in a light socket without being zapped. Try it. Take a knife and put it right in that light socket and see what happens. No, don't actually do it, kids, if you're in the room. But, but if you do that, you're going to experience something. You cannot touch God without touching power. If you're touching a God and there's no power, I wonder if you're touching the right God. Because the Jesus that I know is a God of power, of signs, of wonders, of kindness, of encouragement, of mind-blowing evidence of his goodness. You know, I know that over the years our culture has changed and it's morphed and it's, 
different than it was, and it's way less people than it was, and we've gone through so many things, and I, I just assess, I look back at old pictures and memories, you know, those memories that come up on Instagram, and I'm like, man, I don't even remember that season. Like, I look at pictures, and I'm like, wow, like 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, I'm like, looking at these pictures, and these people, and the thing, and so much has changed, and so much has changed. I think where we're at now, and I This is dangerous right now in this moment. This is dangerous. Because I, I, I think about where things are at right now, and I, I wonder if, God, I've, I've, I need to repent because I've been too safe with what I share from the mic. Because I know, I know that not everybody's at a place where maybe... I would like them to be at. And maybe I'm not at a place where you would like me to be at. Or maybe not everybody can handle steak right now. And sometimes it feels like as a pastor, as a leader, it's like, am I shoving steak down a baby's throat? That's dangerous. Because you don't want to do that. You got to cut it up in little bitty, 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 bitty chunks. They, have to, they might just be able to suck on the, the, the steak. They maybe can't even swallow it. And I know there's people from all different walks of life, all different stages. And I get it. Some of you still need to be breastfeeding. That's okay. That's where you're at. You need that nourishment. You can't handle the steak yet. But then sometimes I wonder, God, if I missed it. Because I think about my life and I think about the duality of my life. And I think about when I travel and I speak around the world, it's a totally different experience. And I get it because I'm, I'm being brought in for a specific assignment, a specific event. I think about my own culture. And I think to myself, my like, God, like, if you want me to give the steak, okay, tell me and I'll do it. Because there's things I hold back on purpose knowing that, hey, it might cause someone to choke. But can we just make an agreement today that if I give some steak, we got some people that know the Heimlich and we'll, we'll get you. Just let us help you. Don't choke and leave. Choke while you're with us and we'll Heimlich you. Can we kind of make an agreement? Yeah? It's not like a covenant. <laughs> it's not like a bad. <laughs> We're cutting a covenant today. Where's the blood? And no, I'm just joking. Um, but I would rather Heimlich you and help you while you're choking than have you choke and run out and never return because you didn't like the restaurant. Because you blame the restaurant for not having teeth Right? It's like, you fed me steak. Well, you ordered it, kind of. Can we make an agreement that from now on we'll start ordering steak together? And if you choke, we got you. We got you. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you get the metaphor. Some of you don't. It's okay. I get it. I get it. What's that? No. The, no, then, no. Then we need to repent of our sin. No, that... Maybe I should repent because I one time Harley was at my house and I made steak and I literally shoved. Like, it's a great analogy, actually. I literally shoved it down your mouth. <laughs> I traumatized her. She doesn't eat like medium rare like the rest of us kingdom people. She only eats well done. And I made like the most beautiful medium rare. I'm like, how are you going to insult my steak by wanting me to put it back on the, 
on the grill or whatever. So I just made her try it. And I, I don't know if it was a good experience. Maybe it was more traumatizing. Her husband watched as I literally forced it down her mouth, like literally. Then my wife gave, read me the riot act after. It's like, as if you just did that. I'm like, maybe it was a metaphor for one day, like today. And you're still here. God bless you. You're still here. We're still friends. It's awesome. See, yeah, when you have relationship, you can shove steak down people's mouths. That's why you get into a, get into a connect group. If you have relationship in a connect group, we can shove all the steak down your mouth. Someone's going to get you. But if you have no relationship, let's just say you probably won't come back. So we talked about where's the power. We referenced Acts chapter 2 last week on the Pentecost on the day of Pentecost, on Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after resurrection. Remember 40 days, Jesus walked the earth, did all kinds of crazy miracles, 10 days. The disciples, the apostles, 120, met in an upper room, prayed, waited for the Holy Spirit to come, which was the promised power to live the life, to lay down one's life. The power was never given so you could just speak in tongues, prophesy, revelate, and or heal the sick. The power of God was given so you could be his witness. And that word witness means martyr, to lay down your life for him. The power of God is given to those who are willing to be a representation of citizen, a citizen of heaven. The power is given to those who immigrate into the born-again experience to now represent a new government, the government of the kingdom as what Paul says is an ambassador of the kingdom. So I asked you where is the power, and I talked about this idea of driving under the influences of the world versus driving under the influences of God. We talked about, you know, our life and destiny is kind of like, you know, a car. We have a purpose, we have a journey, but we need the car to get there, to get to point B. We're at point A. To get to point B, we need a car, and and life is like a vehicle, and our vehicle and life is under all kinds of influences all the time. And maybe it's the wrong ones, and how the Holy Spirit wants to be our influence. He wants us to have a DUI with him, to drive our life under his influence. Remember we talked about this last week. God wants to give all of you a DUI in the Spirit. Now, if you soundbite that, that sounds really bad, and I will be canceled, so don't say that, or don't soundbite that, but... God wants to give you a spiritual DUI that everywhere you go in life, you will drive under his influence. I remember one time I was, uh, was really tired because fatigue has a way of really messing you up, right? How many are tired in the room? Yeah. Only a few people. Well, y'all energized. Man, I need what you're taking. What cereal do you eat in the morning, Stacey? How, everybody's probably a little fatigued at times. And fatigue has a way of really causing us to drive off the road. I remember one time I was with my wife. This is still a, a really big laughing matter for her. And I was, we were, we were driving a very short distance. And this doesn't usually happen to me. I think we decided to leave in the middle of the night or something. I don't remember. And I was so tired. I had to stop after like two and a half hours. I just couldn't do it. I was so tired. And we parked in a Tim Hortons parking lot facing the Tim Hortons. And I forgot that we did that because I was so tired. So we're facing the Tim Hortons, like the like the the Tim Hortons like like uh, building, and we're parked and we fall asleep. Both of us fall asleep, and I was or maybe I don't even know if she was asleep at that point. I fall asleep. I'm passed out, 
and all of a sudden I wake up and I think I'm driving into the Tim Hortons that I fell asleep on the wheel and I'm driving towards it. So I'm like, oh, oh, and I'm like, I'm pumping the, you know, when you pump the brake, it's like, all my wife was hearing was, I'm like, oh, we're going to die. And I put pumping the brake and we're not going anywhere. And it took me probably like 30 seconds to realize that I was parked in a car. Uh, I just happened to be facing Tim Hortons. All that to say is that when we are driving or we are in a season of fatigue in life, it has a way of really altering our reality and perception of life. Never make big decisions when you're in weariness or fatigue. When you're in what we call, and I don't even like this word because it's so overused now. It's like the word triggered, like all these different these buzzwords now, gaslit and all. I get it, whatever, they're words, but they're overused now. It's like a saturation. And it was like this, it's like this, if you're burnt out, that's a word, right, we use a lot, burned, I'm burned out. Whatever that means for, for you, we've all been there. The worst decisions are made in those moments. You can never make a healthy life decision in that moment. It is literally impossible because you're emotionally and mentally drunk. And when you're emotionally and mentally drunk on burnout, weariness, and fatigue, you always make poor decisions. And it alters your perspective of reality. Many of you think you're driving into a Tim Martins and really you're just sitting in a car. And if you would just take time, stop, take a break, and pause, you'd realize, I'm sitting in a car. I'm not going to hit Tim Hortons. I'm totally fine. There's all kinds of influences that are trying to rob us in life, but let me remind you, the most powerful influence that you can be under is the Spirit's influence. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to a whole bunch of things that you don't want but be filled with the Spirit. Why did he make that correlation? Because he knew you would understand the illustration really well. Because wine has a way, or alcohol has a way, of causing you to come under an influence that would alter your perception of reality and alter your character and alter what you do and how you respond to certain situations. But he's saying, don't be under that kind of influence. Be drunk in the spirit, be under the influence of the spirit, because if you are, it will lead to righteousness. It will lead to good fruit. Some of you need to say, today I'm taking a big drink. Come on, just say it. A big drink of the right thing. He wants you to be under his influence. Galatians 5, verse 25 Let's go there for a second. Like I said, this is different. This is not a structured teaching. I felt to start, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just going with it. I'm just letting the Lord just kind of speak. I know it's maybe some of you, it's like a rabbit trail today. Some of you, you're locked in. Some of you are sleeping. It's okay. But just track with me a little bit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Now, since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step perfect in perfect sync with God's Spirit. Did you hear that? Now, since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. It's one thing to say, I want the Holy Spirit to lead me. But when he does, will you stay in line with him? The word means literally to stay in line with God's Spirit. And often to stay in line with God's Spirit, he'll ask you to do things in inconvenient times. 
I love it. I love being able to go out, out into the public and go to a restaurant and get a word for the waitress, the waiter. I love it. I love seeing the response. I love seeing people encounter God in the public. I love seeing people get healed in restaurants and grocery stores. I love it. I remember one time I was in this chalet and this, this individual, the waitress or the waiter actually had a wrist brace on and, and, and one of the guys at the table with me asked, hey, what happened? And he started telling us what happened. I just said, real quick, I, I believe God can heal you right now. Will you let us pray for you? Do real quick. I believe God can heal you. I've seen this happen over and over again. He said, sure. He's like, oh. Most people, if you just say it confidently, they won't say no. But if you're like, um, uh, maybe uh, you're open. Um, okay, so this one time, okay, here's my big Bible. Like, they just, they're like, no. You're awkward. Don't be awkward. I'm like, hey, watch. I'm just going to pray for you real quick. Put my hand on this wrist brace. Prayed. I'm like, now test it out. He took it off. He's like, whoa. It feels way better. He's like, oh, my gosh. Prayed for him again. The guy got totally healed. He then went and told all of his coworkers what had happened, and they were all coming to us and asking us what the heck just happened, and the word spread in the restaurant, and it was an amazing opportunity to share the gospel and the love of God and share about the kingdom because of a miracle. I was at the gym two weeks ago in Toronto. I'm like, I want to have a gym time private to myself. I have my ear pods on, which is usually a sign I don't want to talk to anybody. When I go to the gym, I don't, talk, I don't like getting into conversation because I'm usually like in a rush. I don't have time. And so I'm, I have my headphones on. I'm working out. There's one guy, he's in the gym before me, and uh, he starts looking at me. I'm like, oh, he's going to start talking to me. He's going to start talking to me. So I'm putting my music down a little bit. I'm getting ready. He's going to start talking to me. It's fine. You know, I'm like, I'm a pastor. I got to do this stuff, right? No, I'm just joking. I'm also human too. I want to work out. Like, give me a break. But I, I, I know the Holy Spirit's pull, so I'm getting ready. This guy looks over, he starts asking questions, but I can't hear him, music's still on. So I turn my music off, I take my ear, I like make a statement, okay, I'm like taking my earphones out, I put them back in the case, and now we're in this conversation. He's from England, he's like, he's visiting, he's there for eight days, he just got there two days ago, and he's asking me all kinds of questions, and uh, he asked me this one question, I'm like, oh, here it is. I just trust the Holy Spirit to lead me. Like, he's always leading me. I can tell when someone's pulling. I'm like, this is one of those God moments. This guy begins to ask these questions. I don't even know what the, the, the line was, but something triggered it. And uh, there, I said that word, triggered. And, and then I, I look over, and I start sharing the gospel with him. There's something about a veil. Oh, yeah, he said something about a veil. He's like, yeah, it was like the pandemic removed the veil. I'm like, what a perfect entryway. Well, you know, what happened over 2,000 years ago, there was a veil, and it was torn in two. And I actually went there. I totally went there. Obviously, like, not in a religious way. Like, I'm, I talk the way I talk right now to people. I am the way that I am. And, uh, and I'm very animated naturally. So we were talking about it. I was sharing with him. And then I got to, like, get to the core of who he was. And, and then he started to, like, really step back. And I'm like, I bet you you never thought this was going to happen at the gym, did you? But you never thought this was going to have this, this is going to be a conversation. I ended up prophesying over this guy. And he stopped in his tracks. And I said to him, I said, listen. I said, he said, he said to me, first of all, he said, I, I, I don't understand what's happening right now. Everything you just said was like wild. I'm pondering it. I said, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if that within this eight days, somebody comes up to you and shares something along the lines that I just shared with you as a sign that what I'm saying to you is for real. And he stops and he looks at me. He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, I just realized something. He's like, yesterday I met this random guy on the street and we were talking and he invited me to church. I'm like, see? I'm like, there you go. 
There you go. But if you don't lead into those moments, you miss keeping in step with God's spirit. Because of fear? What do you have to lose? Are you hearing this this morning? Don't rob yourself and God of God moving in moments because of your fear. Because fear is a horrible master. Fear is a horrible master. Whatever will lead you in life is what will feed you in life. And I know this to be true because of what Jesus said in John chapter 4. Can we go there for a second? John chapter 4 verse 34, it says, Jesus said to them, my food, which is nourishment, is to do the will or the pleasure of him who sent me and to accomplish completely, finish his work. Jesus said the food, my food, it's not like your food. They were talking about real food in that, that moment. He's like, stop guys, I don't eat your food. That's what he said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what nourishes me the most. In other words, whatever is leading me is what's really feeding me. Whatever I'm being led by, I'm being fed by. The Father is leading me every step of the way. How do I know that? John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. The Father was leading him. That was his nourishment to do the pleasure and will of his father who was leading him is also the very person that was feeding him along this journey. So he could stay in step with the spirit. So he could model for us what it looks like to stay in step and walk in line with the spirit of God in our life. Are you with me? Jesus, the Son of God, said, I only do what I see my Father doing. It was an invitation to you and I that just like he did, so do we have to surrender. Jesus said it of himself, I, I can't do anything on my own initiative. That's what he said in John 5, 19. I don't do anything on my own initiative except what the Father shows me. And then in John 8, chapter 8, verse 38, he says, I only tell you what I've already heard in the Father's presence. I'm about my Father's agenda. I'm about my Father's work. I only tell you what I've already heard from the Father. This is the goal of the kingdom. This is the goal of what it looks like to live in power in your life if you let the Holy Spirit lead you in life, which is why we need to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's not an it. He is a person. He's not an it. He isn't an oil. He isn't a feeling, a goosebump. He isn't, uh, you know, water. He's not some sort of a substance, some sort of a goo substance. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he wants communion with you. And Satan will do whatever he can to rob that communion from you. One of Paul's last addresses in the, the, to the letters of Corinthians was, he said, may the grace, may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. As he closes, I believe it's 1 Corinthians. May the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
that word for communion is the word koinonia in the, in the Greek, and it literally means a intimately joined participation. If you read it in other dictionary or descriptions, you'll read it like social intercourse. It's so intimate. It's an intimate joining together of co-leadership. This is what Holy Spirit wants for your life. And I believe that once we begin to have this active in our life, we can take back all those things that the enemy has tried to take from us. We follow his leading. We follow his trajectory. No matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it, it pains us at times, we follow his leading. We let him lead us. Man, I could talk about this all day long. I know we're getting close to the time here. Are you, are you getting something from today? One of the best prayers you could pray is, Jesus, in this season, by the power of your spirit, show me the value of getting to know Holy Spirit in my life. Because you can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit. Philippians 3, you can't even say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit. You can't worship God except by the spirit. The Holy Spirit's job and his job description is to make Jesus real and known to you. And to bring back to remembrance everything Jesus has ever said. So Holy Spirit, I remember I read this book one time called Good Morning Holy Spirit, Changed My Life. It made me so hungry for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Read it if you haven't read it. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And every day for a season, I would do that. I would get up and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Like, lead me. Show me what you want for today. There would be days when I would just sit in the presence of God, and he would say, hey, I want you to go to this restaurant at this time, at 11.15, and you're going to see a person who's going to be the manager with short hair, and you're going to tell her this. And I would go and do it. This happened frequently to me. And I learned in that season how to develop a lifestyle of being led by the Spirit. There were moments where it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. There were moments where I was like, I didn't understand what God was sharing with me. There were moments where I was confused. But there were so many moments where I saw the craziest breakthroughs in that season. And it was like putting pillars of, and foundation in my life to set the confidence in my life of hearing and recognizing the voice of God. I want to encourage you in this season Pray, Holy Spirit, show me your power. Show me your power. Get wild in your prayers. Get wild in your, your expectation of God. Don't sit, don't just be a church goer. Come here to connect so that you could go out and engage culture. I'm always surprised at the rooms that I'm in sometimes with different people and like the opportunities that I have. I'm like, how did I get here? And the only thing I can say is just saying, I kept in step with the Spirit. And, I, and when it was inconvenient, I would go. When it made no sense, I would go. When I didn't want to, I would go. When I was tired, I leaned in. When I was sick, I still leaned in. That's called stewardship. Stewardship is the lifeline of living kingdom life. If you don't steward what God's given you, you will never live and experience the kind of life you can in the kingdom. Would you please stand up with me?
just, just lift your hands just for a few moments. I want to pray something. I'm just going to invite while I do that anybody that's on our ministry team just to make themselves available. One of the things that we want to do in this season, you guys, is really just create a culture where you feel safe to get prayer and encouragement. Because, you guys, listen, like every one of us needs it. Don't let yourself go weeks and weeks without somebody praying for you. Don't let yourself go days and days without having friends or church family or spiritual family pray for you. Like lean in in these moments because you don't know what's going to happen. If you just lift your hands, Father, I just thank you for today. And I pray that anybody in this room that has never come into that born again experience, I pray, God, if there's somebody in this room that just is wondering, hey, what does it look like? What does it mean to be born again? I just pray right now in this room you'd meet them where they're at. Remember the, remember the Bible says it very clearly, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be, be saved. This is the initiation, simply saying, I, I'm letting you in, God. I'm letting you in. I'm letting you in to the part of me that was always destined to be connected to you. I'm letting you into the part of me that was always destined to be adopted into your family. I'm letting you in today. If that's you, I would just encourage you to say, Jesus, I believe you're God, and I receive your forgiveness today. I want you to be king over my life, and I believe that you were raised from the dead on the third day to raise me to new life, and I want to live a life that knows you and walks with you. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with you. I want to be led by you. I want to recognize your voice. If that's you, and you're saying that for the first time, it's the best thing that you could ever do and pray. And it's beginning that relationship with him. I want you to make sure if you, if that's you, just talk to one of us at the end today. But I'm just going to have some ministry team. Please come to the front. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you made a decision, please let us know by emailing prayerkingdomculture.ca. We'd love to follow up with you, send resources your way. We want to connect with you. Thank you so much for joining this online experience, everyone. I hope you have an amazing, amazing week. Love you guys.